I'll answer anybody's question but yours, because you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots, because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome in to Made for March on this final week of June. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Check out the show on Twitter at Made for March. That's Made the number four March. Tim, there's there is some basketball news that we're just gonna touch on off the top in terms of Kate Cunningham and Andrew Nemhard and what's gonna happen with them for the upcoming season. But I'm really excited for what we are going to do today on the show because we are going to do our recruiting redo. This is the first time we're unleashing this on, on everyone here, but we're gonna take the 2017 class and re-rank them from, yeah. from the best guys. And then we'll also get into some other little ancillary things like the guys who overachieved, some of the guys who didn't have quite the career we expected them to have and and even some other stuff off of that guys who we thought would be better in the pros and, and surprised that they're still in college so we're gonna re-rank the top 24 guys in the class but first let's just quickly touch on Cade Cunningham he announced he's gonna stay at Oklahoma State I don't think that's something that's too surprising to you or I nope. we kind of hit on this the last time we spoke how we thought that Cade Cunningham was going to stay because his brother Cannon is on staff, and that's probably a big reason why he ended up at Oklahoma State in the first place. Yeah, I don't have a ton to say on this, really. I feel like we sort it's of not, saw this it's coming. It's not non-news, really, but it's yeah. just worth mentioning. No, it is, because I think there was a contingency out there that said, why wouldn't he just go to the G League now? I mean, it's it's a bummer. I, I think it's a tough pill for college basketball in general when the first or second best recruit, kind of depending on where you look, definitely a top five recruit consensus, is not going to be able to play in the tournament this year. We've seen that in the past, but it hasn't been because they haven't been eligible. And this is obviously coming off the heels of James Wiseman playing like, what was it, four games? I know we talked about him like if every that, week yeah. on this podcast, but who knows? It, it's a shame that the top talent that's coming in, we have no chance of seeing him play in March Madness, whenever that is, if it is next season, and who knows. But that's that's the bummer here, and I guess it's good for college basketball in a sense that he stayed within college basketball, but I don't think I'm going to be too inclined to watch Oklahoma State this year, and it's kind of a bummer because maybe this was going to be one of those years where I would watch Oklahoma State. Yeah, it, and especially a bummer in the Big 12 because the Big 12 you thought could maybe be a, a pretty competitive conference with some of these teams that were emerging and getting better. And Oklahoma State, they were going to throw their name into the fold too, but looks like they're not going to be, well, obviously not going to be much of a factor in March. Maybe they play a little spoiler, but outside of that, they maybe they can knock down Kansas from a number one at some point during the season, but we'll see. Next order of business, Andrew Nemhard transferring from Florida to Gonzaga. He was one of the higher-end transfers left yeah. on the market, but this is a big get for the Bulldogs. And again, this is Mark Few going out and getting yet another transfer who will probably make a pretty big impact for his team. Yeah, Gonzaga, they don't change, man. I was looking, when we're doing these rankings, obviously we look back at the 2017 rankings, and you don't see a lot of Bulldogs. You don't see a lot of Gonzaga for a team that you feel like has a lot of veteran pieces and has a very balanced, well-oiled machine, as they do seemingly every year. But they get a lot of good transfers, and Nebhard's another one. So, I don't know, it's just like didn't surprise me too much because that's Gonzaga doing some Gonzaga things. Florida, on the other hand, you feel like maybe could have capitalized a little bit more in the past couple years on the talent they brought in. And this is another one that kind of leaves without really bringing a ton to the program in his time there. Yeah, so Gonzaga going to be really good once again. We'll see if he gets the waiver that he needs to be eligible immediately again right now. It's kind of up in the air. There's no givens with the NCAA in terms of transfer waivers, so he's Shocker another there. one that we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with him for the upcoming season. All right, let's get into our recruiting let's redo. Do it. So, we kind of laid it out for you at the beginning, but we're each going to go back and forth. And we're going to re-rank the top 24 guys in the class. And then after that, we'll give out some superlatives as well. So do you want to start this off? Uh, sure. I'll kick it off. I, first, let me say... Do I'm you have? Was your number one really easy for you? 
it was easy for me. And okay. I'll, I'll spoil it and just say the name right off the top. I'm going Trey Young, number one here. Is that who you yeah, were so thinking? Yeah, so this is the class of 2017 that we're doing here. And yeah. Trey Young, no doubt, I think is the number one. Okay, so just to give everyone some context here, Trey Young, number 23 in this class on 247sports.com. And this shows you, like, these rankings are hard to do when you're rating high school guys because he comes in as a freshman. And honestly, when you look back at his stats, they're even more impressive somehow. It's like he's become underrated what he did in college. They made the tracker for him, the trade tracker. Right. I know he was such a phenomenon, and then Oklahoma really did fizzle, and I think that has a lot to do with why maybe we don't put him at the elite tippy-top status. It's why he didn't win the Wooden, definitely. Yeah, yeah. his stats, though, dude, like, 27.4 27.4 points per game, obviously tops in the country. And then he led the country in assists, too, averaging right around eight and a half, nine assists a game. He was pretty efficient, too, more efficient than I thought maybe I'd see when I look back at the stats. 42% field goal, 36% three, 86% from the free throw line. It's a shame because I don't know when we're going to get to Marvin Bagley here. He is the number one in this class, and Marvin Bagley any other year did everything he should have to keep that quote-unquote number one ranking if you can keep it if that's such a thing but in this case it is and he didn't because Trey Young just came and ripped it away from him with literally one of the best statistical seasons we've ever seen in college basketball and on top of that you bring up the assist numbers there it it, it hovers around nine eight point seven but it should have been double digits. The amount of times that I yeah, saw someone seriously. like Brady Manick blow a layup for Trey Young and take away an easy assist for him. I mean, he should have been a, a double-double guy with points and assists, and we just don't see that in the modern era of college basketball. Not just a double-double guy, but averaging 27-10. and 10. That's what his numbers should have been, and should have won the Wooden war- Award. It obviously goes to Jalen Brunson, but... I mean, those numbers, I don't know if we're going to see those again. I I really don't. And I I know it's a special, special season. Yeah, it's a lazy comparison to compare him to Steph Curry because I get it. Like at the NBA level, especially now we're seeing how Trey is maybe like a poor man, Steph Curry, although he's been really good in the NBA, not a knock on him. But the way that he came into the college basketball fold, and I remember like we were in college that year and we're watching those games and we're like, when's Trey playing? And it's an Oklahoma player. We have no affiliation to Oklahoma. That was similar. No one has an affiliation to Oklahoma outside the state. (laughs) Right, exactly. That was similar to Steph Curry, that first great MVP year with the Warriors where you watched him and you were like, okay, like, you know, I'll make it a point to watch this guy because everyone's talking about him. And then he kept delivering and delivering and delivering and the stats and the shots he was taking were just so much fun to watch. So from an entertainment standpoint, too, it probably is underrated how awesome he was that season. Yeah, he was phenomenal and honestly one of the more fun college basketball players to watch over the past decade. I'll, I'll bat number two here. I'm going to go with the guy who was number one, Marvin Bagley. Yeah. And this, there was a little bit of a debate here. I think the, the guy who I was in debate with will, will end up going number three on this list. But I'm going Marvin Bagley, ACC Player of the Year and a consensus All-American And the numbers were clearly there. 21 points per game, 11 boards per game, shot about 40% from three as well. He didn't play a lot of defense, and that was his big knock, not just for college, but also probably the reason he didn't go number one overall in the draft. But, I mean, he got Coach K to have his team slap the floor in his own. So for that alone, I think he deserves to be (laughs) number two. And on top of that, he was playing in the ACC, the, the best conference in the country at the time, and he's putting up 21-11 and 11 as a freshman. Not just as a freshman. Remember, the big storyline with him was that he reclassified into the class That's of 2017. Yeah. So he was technically a junior in high school, or rather a senior in high school, doing all of this. So that makes it even more impressive in that regard. So that's why I'm going with Marvin Bagley as my number two. Yeah, too, I had number two as well. As a UNC fan, I hated watching him that year, and he was every bit as good as the number one recruit in the country 
And like I said, he would have been number one in probably any other class. I mean, he probably even exceeded expectations, as crazy as that sounds. And he still got gets leapfrogged here by Trey Young. I'm curious if this is who you were talking about just a second ago. Number three, I'm going to go deep into the rankings here. Go okay. way down. And a guy that obviously burst onto the scene really this year. Number 118 in his class. I'm going Luca oh, wow. Garza. Okay. Because Luca was a little further down on my list, not gonna okay. lie. Okay, well, I think, I think maybe it's partially recency bias, but we can't ignore the numbers this past season, and we can't ignore the fact that going into next season, he is like one of the it players in college basketball. I it's tough to compare because you know there's other guys in this class. There are some really good big men in this class. Between- yeah, the centers are the the glaring thing. I think. In, the, in my top 10, I probably have four or five centers. Right. And we don't have to spoil their names. We'll get to them. But it's kind of tough to juxtapose, you know, Luca Garza because he didn't really pop until this past year compared to some of these other centers that we'll get to that eventually just went one and done. And you got that one great season with them. But I think we have to give Luca some credit. You think that's too high to... I think it's three? a little high... Because again, remember, a lot of these guys did this in their first seasons. Like Luca was all right his first couple of seasons, double figure points, yeah. But this year is when he went, he really popped off, and he has the twenty four and ten season. So right, I had him at fifth on my list. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of, I mean, Bagley did twenty one and eleven as a freshman. Right, I, so, I think he's behind Bagley. But then I think once you get to the next crop here, he's well. I mean, no one so else. So the other big man I've got, I'm taking DeAndre Ayton. He's 20 and 11. That was my number three, and yeah. so we'll slide him in at number four here on this list. But he's an All-American, Pac-12 All Defense, and he did it all as a freshman. And, and the blocks were there, so he was. I mean, he was one of the best defensive centers in the country, best one of the best defensive players in the country. And even though that Arizona team didn't go far in the tournament, I think they got a really bad matchup and. I mean, there was all the other stuff surrounding DeAndre Ayton and, and the Arizona program at the time True. that made it... Uh, there was a cloud hanging over that team. They, yeah. Their heads weren't fully in it for that tournament game. But I've got Ayton at number four. I guess the way we have to do this is, would you rather have DeAndre Ayton for his freshman season or would you rather have Luca Garza this past year? And that's fair. Team? Yeah, that, that's a very fair comparison. And I think... The, the thing I will say about that is I think Arizona as a whole was a little bit better than, than Iowa was this year. True. So that's that's the other way you could, you could look at it in that lens. And Aiton was the best player on that team, and Garza was the best player on his team, and that's as far and that's as far as he could take them. So, uh, but yeah. then you also look at from the other lens. The Big Ten was a, a much better conference this season, especially centers. than, yeah. than Pac-12, the Pac-12 was, and Luca was doing it against, yeah, like you mentioned, some of the best centers in the entire nation. So those are, I had Garza at five, but I can see why you would slide him in at three. Yeah. Um, so we'll settle on eight and at four. Who do you, who do you have at five or who's next on your list? Okay. This is where so it gets Did you tough. have eight and at four? I did have eight and at four. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, and I, and I totally get why. I mean, it's picking it here. Like those are two awesome seasons. And I think it is probably a little bit recency bias and, Honestly, it gets down to just like personal preference with the player a little bit, maybe at that point. Um, but, yeah, like Luca can step out and shoot a little for you. Aiton doesn't have that quite that ability. He can yeah, step out twelve to sixteen feet, but he's not going to shoot a three for you. Yeah, I mean they both are just super efficient too. I think Aiden was sixty-one percent his freshman season field goal percentage wise, and Garza, despite being the guy like Aiden was, I mean they they both somehow were really, really efficient on top of it. And I guess that's just a product of being big men and having that size advantage down low a lot as well. Okay, so number five, uh, I'm really torn here because you got me second-guessing Really, because I'm not. Okay. I'm not torn on, on my number Why five. Why don't you I say that, yours? I thought the then... top five, you could maybe shuffle the order around, but the top five guys in this class, I don't think there's any debate. All right, well, why don't so, you say yours? My guy who is at number four, who we're going to slide at number five on our consensus list, is Jared Culver. 
Okay. And this is a guy who took a monster, monster yep. leap in the rankings. This was He was ranked 312th in his class, and we're going to put him at number five on our re-rank. And crazy. the reason why I'm putting him so high and why I had him at number four is because this was a guy who was the best player on a team that was literally seconds away from winning a national championship. He was great on offense. He was great on defense. His sophomore season, he's the Big 12 Player of the Year. 18 and a half points and, yeah, he's and awesome. five rebounds his sophomore season. He was phenomenal for that team, and he could do it all. So I had him number six, and okay. I agree with everything you're saying. And also, I got to say, when you look through this these rankings, we got to give some credit to Chris Beard in Texas Tech. Yeah, there's some gems in there. When yeah. we get to the overachievers... Right. I'm sure we'll say a couple more names by the end of this podcast, but man, I mean, this is the class that turned into the NCAA tournament team and and what they've become. And honestly, I'd have to go back and look to double check. I don't think they had any top 80 guys for sure. Maybe there was one or two that we'll mention later. If they were a top 80 guy, they were not of the best players in the class. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Right. No, they they all overachieved. They weren't one or two. Rankings were, yeah. Okay, I was torn between him and Obi Toppin, which is crazy. Wait, because... so Toppin was in this class? Yes, it, it's mind-boggling. Okay, so that that just shows how deep in the weeds and how deep this class was. There were so many guys because when I was doing my research, I didn't see Obi Toppin, and I looked through like the top five hundred guys. That's how deep right. down he was on this list. He's so if that's the case, ranked. I probably. I probably would have put Toppin ahead of Garza. Yeah. So this is why it gets tough because, I mean, are you a Toppin or a Garza guy? It's back to the debate that we were having a lot during the season on this podcast. I Right. I feel like, you know, I, I'm more likely to give an Aiden or a Garza credit for carrying a team when it's in a power conference, but... I mean, this is not a slouch team. Yeah, I mean, he's taking he a mid-major for. to a one seed. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I could get behind elevating him, elevating him up a little bit, but it's mind-boggling because you're right. He's he's literally not ranked on twenty four seven sports. I went back and looked, and he had an offer from Rhode Island. He had an offer from Illinois, and that was basically it. And it just shows you, like, props to those two schools for seeing anything in him, but. That's why we do these lists, because there's always players like that. And now we here we are, we've named, what, five guys so far, six guys so far? And yeah. we've got Luca Garza was 118, Obi wasn't ranked, Jared Culver was 312 in his class, and Trey Young was number 23. We've literally named two guys in the top five, and that's it. I mean, that's just that's college basketball for you, and especially in this class, I'd say. Yeah, super, super crazy. All right. So you're going top in there, and I would have slid top in ahead of Culver on, on my list. Eh, well, let's do that. It's, then, it's a good debate. I would have too. I I would have yeah. I would have slid him ahead of Garza definitely. I don't know about Culver quite yet because Culver did have his team on the brink of a national championship, right. which is something that Obi could have done, and and maybe he could have surpassed it and won a national championship. But I guess we'll say. we'll never know. So. All right, my next pick, I'm going to go with Colin Sexton. Yep, that's and what I had. The big reason why, one of the most defining moments of uh, that 2017-2018 college basketball season was surfing through Twitter and seeing that Alabama is playing with three players against Minnesota. And when if you started the game at the moment when Alabama had to play three-on-five, Colin Sexton was leading the way, and Alabama won the game from that starting point of three on five. And they almost won the game in whole, too. And when I saw that, that's when I knew Colin Sexton was going to be a really, really good player. 19 and four on the season, um, his points and assist numbers there. And I, I just loved watching him play. I watched so much Alabama basketball that year, and I loved watching Colin Sexton play. And he was yeah. one of the first big recruits that Alabama got in this new era. Maybe not new era because it was before Nate Oates, but of this new wave of Alabama success that we've seen a little bit of. Yeah, this was a good recruiting class for him too because they had Petty who was, I think, in the 30s somewhere, and he's panned out very well too. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I remember that was the first time I ever watched Colin Sexton, and before that I just knew him as 
a highly rated guy on ESPN and 24-7 sports. And, man, he was chucking shots, and he looked like LeBron James that game or something, just in, in guard form, I guess. That was that was an awesome experience watching that game. I, I will never forget that. But I think I think that's safe to say, too, that not just from that game, he he definitely exceeded expectations or was just as good as we thought at his ranking. Because what was he? He was seven or eight in the class? Yeah, he was top originally. ten, yeah. Yeah, so... All right, I like that pick. I'll go next with another guard that might be kind of a reach. You might tussle me on this one, but a guy who was number 44 on the original rankings, Tremont Waters, who okay. I, I think I have a personal affinity for more than anything. Uh, he's on the Celtics now, kind of, and he was actually just named G League MVP. I know we're not factoring in pro to this. We probably should have. Yeah, that was the big the disclaimer that we, yeah. Right. This is I, I solely based on college basketball production. Yeah, and look, I don't think he's ever really going to be anything in the pros anyway. Um, but he was an awesome college basketball player. 15 points a game, 6 assists in back-to-back seasons, hit clutch shots for you, a fun player who you knew when LSU was coming down the stretch, the ball was going into his hands, actually carried some sneaky good LSU teams in that time period. I'm probably overreaching here with him a little bit admittedly but i think he deserves to give a noticeable bump and be recognized here for someone who was number 44 in his class lsu really got a lot out of him in two seasons i had waters at 13th on my list and i thought that was a reach but i'm glad (laughs) you had the you had the stones tim to elevate him as high as you did what what are we on we're on seven or eight right now all right so yeah tremont waters checks in at eight i mean you look at the numbers back-to-back years of 15 and six the sec defensive player of the year in 2019 where he averaged three steals a game and to be honest he's probably the most underrated recruit in terms of guys who theoretically you thought could be on a a re-rank like you wouldn't have guessed obi toppin or or luca garza or jared culver to make those 300 or 100 point jumps on on their rankings but for a guy who could go from 40 to 10 which is a, a more feasible thing to do i mean a guy like tremont waters he might be the most underrated amongst the top 50 yeah no i think i'm definitely i'm personally inclined to like him more just because i like his game a little bit but a great leader too and someone that had really just an awesome career at lsu i can't imagine an lsu fan would say anything bad about him after watching him for two seasons yeah he was phenomenal a lot of fun to watch all right my next pick i'm going back to the mid-major ranks kellen grady okay he's a guy who plays for davidson and he's not quite steph but He's averaged 17-plus points for all three years he's been in the program, better than 37% from three in two of those years. And he's been the best player on his team for two of the three years, too. He had Peyton Aldridge, where, who he kind of learned under his freshman season and still averaged uh, over 17 points per game that season. And he's just been very, very steady. And not going to lie, I'm kind of surprised he's still in college. Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be honest here. I had him number 20, and... Oh wow! Okay, I think so that's a big disparity. Yeah, I he think we're going to get number nine on our list. I think we're going to get into some disagreements here, and that's just the nature of this. I, t- to me, I was expecting maybe a little bit more out of him this past year. Now that's probably unfair because, I mean, as you said, his numbers were pretty consistent throughout. Did uh, Davidson just underwhelmed this past year? Just yeah, kind of I think plain that's and fair. simple. And that, I guess, kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I ranked him a little bit. And the other thing is, I mean, he did it at Davidson, so I think I'm more inclined to put someone that averaged like 18 or 19 in a Power 5 level ahead of of him because I feel like most of these recruits in the top 100 could go to Davidson and put up 14, 15 a game. They probably couldn't do what he has done for as long as he has. And like you said, it feels like he's been in college for longer than some of these guys and obviously they're all coming out of the same class so that doesn't add up but yeah I I think maybe you're a little higher on him than me but overall I I see where you're coming from I just was a little disappointed in Davidson as a team this past year yeah that's fair I I think that's for a guy who you're expecting to lead his team to a conference championship and and then he's he's not I mean Davidson I, I don't have their record right in front of me right now but 
you thought that was a team that could maybe be a top 25 team, one of those yeah. majors that are, or at least receiving votes, like right on the fringe, and they just were not that this year. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go back to a, a big power team. I'm going to go to Kentucky, who just had an unreal class in this uh, cycle. They had seven guys in the top 32 on 247sports.com. One of their higher ones was P.J. Washington, and I think he's deserves some consideration here. I guess we'll slot him in. What are we on, number 10 now? Yeah, that's number 10. I think that's fair for him because 15 so points a game. it's interesting you do that. Like, he, he was really good, and like you mentioned, that's a loaded Kentucky class. I have him at 19 on my list, and he's the third Kentucky guy that shows up on my list. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll probably I have multiple Kentucky guys on my list, and it, it, this just comes down to, like I'm saying, there's going to be some disagreements here. But to me, and maybe I'm letting the NBA cloud my judgment a little bit, which I know we're not allowed to do. But he had two really good years of 15 points per game, really steady, really consistent, good rebounder, good defender, could guard multiple positions, could shoot, just a very versatile guy, good teammate that I think doesn't do anything flashy in his game to maybe make you think he's going to be on SportsCenter a ton. But if you put him on any of these college rosters, he'd be just a really, really solid player and really consistent night to night. Yeah, he was one of those Kentucky guys that benefited from having that extra year too. Yeah. Um, and and he, he definitely showed it in his sophomore season. All right, number 11. I'm going to go down south to the Big 12. Mo Bamba, the only guy who has a song about him on <laughs> our list, I believe, by the time we're going to be all done with it. But Mo Bamba... Double-double his freshman season at Texas, 13 points, 10 boards. But maybe the most impressive stat is he averaged almost four blocks per game at Texas. An all-Big 12, all-Big 12 defensive guy. And I I think he was a little underwhelming for some Texas fans. I know in talking with some, they felt like he could have been so much more. But, I mean, scoring-wise, maybe you could have asked for a little bit more. But 13-10 and then giving it to you uh, for every single defensive possession that's a lot to ask out of a guy yeah well he was number three in the class originally and we have him now at number 11 which is funny because i'm looking at my list right now i had him number 11 on my quote-unquote big board or whatever you want to classify this as so we line up perfectly on this one i totally agree i think the blocks per game itself and just the defensive presence he was i remember watching some texas games where he just stood out and you knew where he was on the floor, obviously, at all times. And you could tell that he was altering shots even when he wasn't blocking them. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe a Texas fan would even make the case that we should have him higher. It's tough to judge some of these players, like I say. And that's another one of those centers that just really shine from a very center-heavy class that we've got here. Yeah, again, that's how, how many centers? Let me look through the list right now. we got Bagley, Aiton, Garza. Um, Toppin, I guess. Toppin is kind of a center, and then Mo Bamba. So that's five in our top eleven. Yep, right there. Yeah. So I we're perfectly in sync on that one. I had him eleven as well. Number twelve for us. I'm gonna go deeper into the rankings again. Someone that we've kind of bashed on this show at times, but I think we do have to give him some credit for how far he's come and the fact that he did leapfrog himself into the National Player of the Year conversation going into the season, at at least. I'm going Louisville's Jordan Wara, who was number 88 on the class when it first came out, 247sports.com's ranking for him. Very unheralded recruit, but by the time he was a sophomore, was getting a lot of NBA love, decided to come back, kind of like the Kellen Grady thing, maybe a little bit underwhelming this past year when you had some games where he just didn't really show up and Louisville fans admitted that he wasn't the leader of the team at times, but he's a talented guy that gets a lot of rebounds, shoots the three ball really well. And was, I think second or third this year in the ACC in scoring was ACC first team again. So you got to give him some credit for jumping that high in the rankings from what he initially was. Yeah, I had Noir actually at 12 on my list as well. I mean, this is a guy, he was the ACC most improved player in 2019. And he jumped from averaging just five points per game all the way up to 17. 
and people thought he was going to take another big jump this year. And it's tough to be upset with the numbers when you look at him. I mean, 18 points per game on 40% from three and 7.7 boards too. But like you said, it's the the struggling in some of those big games that, I mean, we watched a lot of them. There was the game he had at MSG, was it against Texas Tech? where he just did not play very well. And he went silent in some of these huge contests where he should really stand out and and be a star. I think that's why you're seeing him in mock drafts. And he's kind of slipped a little bit, and his name is a mid-second rounder, late-second rounder. I think some team's going to pick him up, and he's going to be really good because he doesn't have to be the guy, and he can rely on his length. Because he's a pretty good defender, too. I like like Jordan Wara. I'm actually surprised that... He uh, he stayed for another year yeah. because there was a chance Didn't really that he out. could have been a, a lottery pick. Maybe not a lottery pick, but we've seen teams reach in the lottery for a guy like Wara where they think they can really turn him into something special. So yeah. I, I think that, that because of that, I, I probably would have expected him to leave. I think he definitely would have been a first rounder a year ago and then you look at this year and that's definitely not the case at least from the early returns on these mock drafts yeah tough player to evaluate because he had like 37 points against bc one game and he goes off and then he plays four minutes and gets benched and turns it over like six times in that one stretch so i think we also just are probably lower on him than most other college basketball podcasts i would guess because I don't know. I think we always were on him with the the big game stuff, and he was kind of guilty or a victim of playing to his expectations and his reputation. But like you said, the stats, when you look back on it, were pretty good at the end of the year. All right, next up, we're on number 13 here. This guy, a lot of people may not have heard of him because he played at a smaller, well, at least in, in modern standards, a smaller school. But I'm going to go with Brandon McCoy, another center off the board here from UNLV. He's one of the the few guys that actually averaged a double-double in this class. And averaged 17 and 10. He was a McDonald's All-American. He went to the draft after his freshman year. And a lot of people thought he might be one of those underrated guys and a second-rounder that could make some noise. But he ends up going undrafted. And he he put up some really good numbers at, at UNLV. The 17 and 10 were really good. And... I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten a little bit of a shot in the NBA because he's a seven-footer, does a lot of things well, but things just haven't really panned out for him. But Brandon McCoy, I don't think he got enough love for what he did in college. Yeah, good news is I'm willing to bet that he probably got a bag for going to UNLV. (laughs) So I think he's got some money maybe saved up from college. But yeah, you're right. I'm a little surprised he hasn't clicked in the NBA yet. Someone that... Even college basketball diehards might forget, but he was number 13 on 247sports.com's original ranking. We have him at 13 here. Maybe he was 14, but right around the same spot. And I didn't have him quite as high as you because, honestly, I just was kind of torn on how to judge him because he's not memorable from that season. I don't even really remember watching him that much, but at the same time, you look at the stats and you look at the production and you really can't ignore it too much. So I think that's a good pick. I think where'd you have justified. I had him like 24, but okay. Yeah. It's just, it was one of those where I got to him and I honestly, while I was doing the list, just kind of forgot about him a little bit. And then I was like, huh, like where do I put this guy? Because to your point, the stats are there. It's just, like I said, you, you don't remember him and he doesn't have a lot of stuff that sticks out as, oh, I remember watching him make that play or anything like that. But you shouldn't knock him because of that and because he went to a smaller school. He's still a really talented player and I think he lived up to his, his rating for sure. So number 14 yeah. of our 24 rankings here, I'll go to another big man and the guy who was kind of the Robin to the Batman of Marvin Bagley at Duke, Wendell Carter, he was number seven on 247sports.com's original rankings. We slot him in at number 14 here. Probably didn't do anything to drop in the rankings, but just a product of us having to give some credit to these guys that have really jumped up the rankings. He was really consistent, really good, someone that had a great back-to-the-basket kind of old-school game, 
played hard, good defender for Duke. No, he's with your Bulls now, Tyler. Again, NBA is not counted into this, but I don't know. I think he deserved to not fall too much after being number seven originally. And the thing is, one of the great what ifs of this class is a where would we rank Wendell Carter in a re in a re rank like we're doing now if Marvin Bagley doesn't reclassify and b where does he get drafted if Marvin Bagley doesn't reclassify because he puts up almost a double double at thirteen and a half and nine to go along with two blocks and he was the second fiddle on that team I mean you have two guys who almost average a double double so. I, I That's always been so intriguing to me because Wendell Carter Jr. was phenomenal, but he never got the credit he deserved from that team. Yeah. It, it, it always baffled me. And the fact that they would have them both out there at the same time on defense because, I mean, if Carter's not out there, that Duke team is not nearly as good. And they don't make that run to the Elite Eight without Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think he's also another one of those guys that's not that flashy, too. Maybe he had some dunks and some blocks that you remember, but just another Duke player that kind of came and went and lived up to the hype of being a really, really good basketball player for that one year. Yeah, I had him exactly where you had him at, at 14 okay, cool. on my list. My next pick, I'm going to go another center here, Tim. Wow. We're going to the Big Ten. Have we given any Big Ten love? Oh, we had Luca Garza on the yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm going to go to the Big Ten. Bruno Fernando, one of my oh, favorite guys in this class. I love Bruno. Yeah, Bruno from Fernando, center from Maryland, and then you, you saw the, pretty much the same thing. He he cloned himself after he left, and, and ended up being Jalen Smith who took his spot. <laughs> but Bruno Fernando, double double guy, thirteen and a half and ten and a half to go along with two blocks, a defensive stud for the Terrapins. And the thing about him is, when I saw the block numbers doing the research, I was like, that seems really low for what I remember watching out of Bruno Fernando. But he altered so many shots on top of that, and he was so athletic. You could throw the ball up pretty much anywhere near the rim, and he could finish off the play. I loved watching Bruno Fernando. He brought it on both ends of the floor, ran the floor really well. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Joakim Noah, too. But just played the game hard, and I loved watching Bruno Fernando. So we're going to check him in at 15. Yeah, I had him 19, and honestly, I probably would have put him higher, but I tried my hardest to remain objective. And it was one of those instances where you really like a player, kind of the thing I fell into with Tremont Waters, but I just went ahead and put him higher than he was anyway or should have been. But in this case, I was like, I like him so much. Like, let's, you know, I don't want to throw that out too early and Tyler be like, what the heck? But I should have remembered you loved him too, so... We were both high on him for good reason, though. He was yeah, he was an awesome player. Another big man that, I mean, he was number 87 originally on 24 Yeah, he's another guy so. who overachieved. So eight of our top 15 right now are all centers. Wow. Okay, is I basketball changing back? Yeah. Is basketball <laughs> reverting to its old ways, Tim? That's Maybe what I have to ask you. It's a product of us just falling in love with seeing a double-double stat line, too. <laughs> Because no guards are going to do that in college basketball. And when you do well, this... Trey Young should have. Yeah, he should have. But think about it. Like, even he didn't do it. I mean, he basically did because he also had 27 a game and his stats were ridiculous. But someone like Waters putting up 15 and 6, that's basic. That's a double-double in college basketball. That's like yeah, in the NBA. With, yeah. with Trey Young, too, I'm going to count... All the times that he passed to a teammate where there's probably like seven seconds left on the shot clock and the teammate couldn't do anything with it. So he passed it yeah. right back to Trey Young to put up a shot and Trey would make it. I, I count that as an assist for Trey Young, not the guy who passed him the ball back. Right. So uh, yeah, Trey Young averaged a double-double in college. That That's the way I'm going to look at his career. All right, number 16 for us. Going to go back to the Kentucky well here. I'm curious where this guy stacked up in your rankings. Wait, can I guess? Because yeah. this is a great toss-up. My two Kentucky guys that I had ahead of PJ, I have them back-to-back. -back. Okay, go ahead and guess. I'm going to say you said uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander. No, it was Kevin Knox. You went Knox, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I also did have them back-to-back -back in my rankings okay. as well. I have... Knox here. I flipped it. I have I have SGA ahead of him. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, you can go either way. I think Knox was number eleven originally. I'll slot him in at sixteen here. 
I'm sure we'll get to SGA soon. SGA has had such a great NBA career. Knox, maybe not so much. But when you look at the college numbers, I think Knox was slightly more impressive. And I just feel like when I watched Kentucky that season, from what I can remember, I felt like Knox was making more of an impact scoring-wise and more of an impact on the game maybe than SGA. But it's tough because it's Kentucky and all these guys can't get to the numbers they would have if they were like Brandon McCoy and went to UNLV or something like that. Here's why I have Shea Gilgis Alexander ahead of him because he didn't start the year at point guard. Remember he took over for quad a and kind of slid quad a to the two spot on this team. And we might see his numbers be even bigger because he only averaged one fewer point than Kevin Knox did, but he also complimented it with five assists per game and four rebounds. He was long. He defended really well. Tough player on the perimeter. I loved watching him in college, and I think that if he started every single game, we probably would have seen him be by far and away the best player on Kentucky. Yeah, I'm almost like tempted to give your convincing me more to your side because his all-around numbers, too, you have to give him credit for. I think it's tough because, like I said, the NBA might get into your thinking a little bit on this one. But Jay Gilgis-Alexander was number 32 in this class. So altogether, in terms of overachieving your rankings and going from the bench to starter, he had a more impressive, more surprising first year at Kentucky for sure. Yeah. So I I, I, loved, I liked watching him a lot in school. And the, just the way that he, I mean, he overcame a, a guy who was ranked higher than him and I mean, Quade Green. I'm sure we'll talk about Quade Green later in this product yes. on this podcast because <laughs> he was certainly one of the disappointments of of this entire class. All right, who do you have next? Uh, so I had Jay Gilgis next. Should we okay. give him 17? Well, no, yeah, yeah. I, I I was anointing him there in kind of my explanation. Oh, okay. Up on, I got you. Kevin Knox. So all right. So after him, I'm torn between a couple guys here, but I'll go off what my my rankings say and try to leave my bias out of it for just a sec. I'm going to go maybe a guy that you you don't have. I don't know if I'm too high on him because he comes from the Pac-12, but Tyler Bay out of Colorado, who hmm, was okay. no, number 131 originally, but Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year this past year. Big reason why Colorado got all that buzz going into the season and had a good year. He's now back-to-back years, had 14-9, and nine, good shot blocker, obviously, as the defensive player of the year, and basically just another double-double machine, another tall guy, center position of sorts that has shined in this class and really exceeded expectations in terms of his ranking and what he was projected to be. I mean, going into this year, he had a little tint of some National Player of the Year hype around Tyler Bay. So I think we got to give him some credit. I think it's fair to slot him in at 18 here. Actually, I didn't have him on my list. Um, But I'm glad you brought his name up because he definitely deserves to be mentioned amongst these guys. I guess I just kind of skipped over him. I've got next up another Pac-12 player, Jalen Noel. And he's a guy who... I loved watching at Washington. Back-to-back years of 16-4, and won the Pac-12 Player of the Year in 2019. And the thing that always fascinated me with Noel was the fact that he made a huge jump in his efficiency from his freshman year to his sophomore year. He averaged more points while taking one less shot per game. And this was a guy who... He, he could have been a 50-40-90 guy if he got his free throw shooting together. He only shot 77% from the line, but he aver- he or he shot over 50% from the field, 44% from three, just a super efficient guy and a pretty good defender as well. So I like Jalen Noel. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't have him, but he was definitely on my radar. It's like an honorable mention. And honestly, you tell me those stats, I, they're a little better than... I anticipated them being. I, I think he just gets forgotten about a little bit because he's on the West Coast, but we, we love Washington, of course. So a fun guy that I, I've enjoyed watching. All right, my next one is pretty biased. I'm not sure if you had him on the list. And another guy who really jumped from his original ranking, he was right around the edges of 100 on ESPN and 130 range on 24-7 sports. A UNC guy, Garrison Brooks, who I actually okay. had 
slightly ahead of Bay, but I decided to swap him last second there. I I think I'm biased here, but someone that has, you are yes, he's developed into such a good player though, and you get into the discussion of how much do we value a guy that went one and done compared to someone who stayed a while? It's tough because like if we compare his freshman year to Mo Bamba's freshman year, he's not even close, right? But no. now we've gotten to see Garrison Brooks and we've gotten to see him become an all ACC first team player and someone who legit scored like 35, 34 multiple times this past year for North Carolina. Now it was a bad North Carolina team but I think next year we're going to see him be again an all-ACC first-team player on a really good Carolina team. So maybe I'm definitely looking ahead a little bit and not evaluating what I've seen as much as what I think we're going to see next year. But I don't know. I, I feel like he deserved recognition for how much he has been a huge asset for UNC despite his original ranking. Yeah, I didn't have Brooks on my list, but I I, I think I probably should have. I'll counter your bias center pick with one of my own. Daniel okay. Gafford. Oh, I, I had him love Daniel list, yeah. Gafford. He was phenomenal with Arkansas. Back-to-back years of two blocks and double-figure points, an all-SEC player, a defensive all-SEC guy. His senior year, you ready for his stats his senior year? 17 points per game, nine rebounds, and two blocks. And that's going up in the SEC against some pretty talented players. Again, that Kentucky team was really good, or rather not his senior year, his sophomore year, I should say. And then he leaves early. But he was long, he was springy, he runs the floor well, just really loves the game. And and that's why I loved watching Daniel Gafford play. So he checks in at number 21 on our list. Yeah, number 39 originally. And someone that I thought I was a little bit high on, I had him at 21, so... Wow, it was 21 on our list, so look at that. That's that's another big guy, and I'm going to keep with the big guy mantra here. This is kind of crazy. We are literally reversing the clock on college basketball, but I'm going to go with Caleb Wesson from yeah, Ohio State. I figured that's where you were going. Yeah, number 75 in the class originally, really, really solid career at Ohio State, kind of becoming that it guy for them. And on some good Ohio State teams where, again, we've said the word double-double a lot, but he's just put up numbers and been a consistent guy that you can count on for a bucket and I'd say probably even overachieved this past season for them. Yeah, I like that pick. I I had Caleb Wesson right around there. I'd have to count through all these names to to see exactly where I had him. But no, I I, double figures every single season, just a consistent force for the Buckeyes. Um. 23. I'm surprised he that you weren't in on this guy a little bit more. But I'm going Chris Wilkes from UCLA. Yeah. Just he, he had a solid freshman season of 13 and 5. And then he was an all pack 12 guy his sophomore year before going to the draft, where he averaged 17 and a half and five. And maybe it's because UCLA didn't have a bunch of very good teams while he was there, but he was the only reason that team had even a slight pulse. And you really, really wonder what he could have done with a guy like McCronin at UCLA. Yeah, I had him 25 on my list and almost forgot about him when I ran through it the first time. And then I was like, whoop, there, there's his name at number 21 on the rankings. And I think it's because he he, I mean, he wasn't playing last year. So it feels like maybe, it, for some reason, it feels like he hasn't played for more than one year, but that's not the case. I I also think it's a little bit of the West Coast thing where you don't stay up for his games as much. But another West Coast guy I have for number 24 on our list, another guy who rose in the rankings, 84 originally. How about Remy Martin from Arizona State, who hmm, okay. really turned out a good year this past year. 19 points per game, 19 and a half. If you want to give him the half, you can bump him up to 20. Was one of the best scorers in the Pac-12 and a very nice pickup for Hurley in Arizona State that they've gotten a lot of mileage out of. I like that pick, Remy Martin. I didn't have him on my list. Uh, some of the other guys that are worth mentioning right on the fringe, Lindell Wigington, yep. uh, Gary Trent, Trayvon Duval, and Jalen Crutcher were some wow. of the other names that I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so overachievers. We'll, we'll run through these quickly because we're, we're coming up on, on an hour here. But some of the overachievers... Obviously, Trey Young, Jordan Wara, Kellen Grady. Uh, we, we went through a number of those guys. Davide Moretti, he, 
He was ranked number 98 in his class. Kenny Wooten. I loved Kenny Wooten. He was yeah, one of my did. favorite players to watch. His numbers, I don't have his numbers in front of me. They weren't spectacular. I know no. that. But I remember watching him in that tournament, and he was just everywhere. I mean, he, uh, this was the 2018 tournament, or yeah. no, the 2019 tournament. Um, right, when, the last tournament. Uh, yeah, the last tournament. Wow. Amazing how Sad. time is frozen. But yeah. yeah, Kenny Wooten, I mean, he was he was very good against teams like Virginia and, and some of the other teams that he played along the way. I loved watching him. Um, Zaire Smith who ended up being almost a lottery pick. He was Texas 194 Tech. and then, yep, and then went one and done. So there you go. Zaire Smith, uh, a near lottery pick, one and done, Texas Tech. Davide Moretti, he was 98th. I think he was the top guy in the class. And then Jared Culver, who was 312th. What all those guys overachieved. Um, one of probably the best name in the class and also a very, very good player for Rhode Island, Fats Russell. Yes. He he was in this class. He was ranked 198, and he's one of the better guards, especially in the mid-major ranks. Um, best player without a picture on this is Colin Gillespie, who I don't know how Such he doesn't Villanova have a picture. Player. But, yeah. yeah, he's, I mean, Baby Arch ranked 200th in the class and now one of the better players on Villanova. Paul Reed from DePaul. I, I, I have to I have him, to throw yeah. out my DePaul love, but he's 271st. Now he's going to probably be a first-round pick. Yeah, yeah because it, he looks like one of those guys who's got all the tools to be really good. Right, yeah. We, Obi Toppin, who was unranked on this, but he he's definitely deserves to be probably the number one overachiever in all of this, going from unranked to a, a Naismith winner. And then we've also got... Jalen Crutcher, his fellow Dayton teammate, 328th. Matt Harms, 352nd, and he was yeah, one of the most down. coveted transfers on the market. And then a little love to Rutgers here. Geo Baker, the, the best player on the Scarlet Knights for this upcoming season, 414th, and he's averaged double digits and started almost every game of his college career for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I, I'll throw in one more center because that's what we do to the overachievers. Olivier Saar, I saw, was Yeah, he was deep down on it. Yeah, and now obviously going to Kentucky and big things ahead for him. So pretty good pickup there and crazy to show you how much the rankings have changed. All right, for the bust, which is kind of unfair because it's college kids, but I guess that's the only, I mean, there's no real other way to say what we're classifying. The underachievers, maybe, is one way yeah. to put it. Mm -hmm. And let me just say right off the top, Michael Porter Jr. was number two in this class. I don't right. really, like... He was number a, one until Bagley reclassified, too. Yeah, that's true. It's, I mean, I guess we have to put him in the bust category because... Yeah, he was number one on mine. And it, it's to no fault of his own. I mean, injuries. Yeah. And, and if we're using our NBA bias lens, too, I mean, this is a guy who's starting to put together a nice NBA career. Right. He really has. Has had a great year for them off the bench and stuff. But it's tough. I mean, Missouri got nothing out of him. They didn't get a ton out of Jonte Porter, really, either. Yep, he was also and on my list, too. Yeah, he's he was 25 in the class. So you look back... Both of them, and, injury problems also. Right. It's tough. Missouri, it's kind of like what Oklahoma State's dealing with, where you thought you get this big recruit, it might be a turnaround for your program. And now Oklahoma State, I mean, I don't know how much they're going to be able to capitalize off of Cade Cunningham if he's not going to play or they aren't tournament eligible for what will be the one year he is there. Um, all right, so some other bus. My guy, Jalik Felden, at UNC was number 30. Uh, got kicked off the team. Really wasn't great even that there. good. Just not, was, wasn't anything great. Turnover prone. I forget the connection. Maybe he's the nephew of Raymond Felton. And there was a good amount of buzz around him. but Because he fit the billing of a UNC point guard. But that was a, a total bust. Another point guard, Quade Green, who we teased a little bit earlier, has gone to Washington has not panned out and was 26 in his class thought maybe he might fall into the one and done category and someone that looked like he was coming to Syracuse for a while our our school and obviously went to Kentucky originally um Makai Ashton Lankford was number 41 in this class he goes to Providence doesn't do anything so he decides to transfer to Boston College he had to sit out last year he's going to be on BC this year but for number 41 in the class at Providence, you'd think he would put up numbers and be a big get for them. Hasn't really worked out. 
Brian Bowen, the whole Louisville commit that wasn't, was number 19 in the scandal around him. Billy Preston, another this class guy who has had a so scandal. much drama in it. I love yeah. this class. <laughs> it's it's a fun class to do the rankings on. Billy Preston, another drama guy. I feel like we're setting 20. the bar way too high for our first recruiting redo. We probably are. Um, but that's basically the bust for me. Emmanuel Acott's another one. Uh, I've got a couple Arizona. others to throw out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me. Mitchell Acott. Robinson. Okay, yeah. Never you plays a college it. game. Um, Jared Vanderbilt from kentucky yeah i thought he was going to be a lot better he didn't pan out and, and yeah those are those are the other two i'd throw in there yeah so i, I was debating putting uh cosby roundtree in the bus category because he just hasn't put up any numbers i don't think he's ever averaged more than four points a game but he's had some injuries and he was not that highly he was like a top 100 guy for villanova which for villanova usually they translate those into really good players that have a great three or four year career didn't really work out in the instance of him but you know you could play that game with a a lot of players in the 70 to 100 range so i didn't think that was totally fair yeah definitely all right real quick you don't have to give long explanations on these but who's a guy that you're surprised he's still in college and that includes anyone who's entering the draft this year so so who are you surprised that is there for their junior season huh um Going back to the original rankings, I maybe would say Quad A Green, and I know we just talked about him, but as the number 26 recruit in your class to still be in college and really have no yeah. prospects of the Especially NBA. Especially in a big man heavy class, too. Yeah, and like he went to Kentucky. That's a factory that just takes you right to the draft after, if not one year, two years. I mean, We've seen more of the P.J. Washingtons lately where Cal has had him stay an extra year. But usually you make it to at least getting drafted if you're quite a green. I mean, to think that Duval left and Gary Trent Jr., like they're pretty similar players to him, and he just hasn't left yet, which is kind of weird. Yeah. My guy that I'm going to go with is, well, okay, Jordan Wara, who we kind of hit on. We were surprised. But I'm going to go with Nick Richards. Another big man from this Kentucky class. I believe he was one of the top guys in the, if not the top guy in the Kentucky class. And he, he just didn't figure it out his first two years. And then this past year, he had a a pretty solid season. I think he averaged like 14 points a game, but he was a guy who I think both of us thought was was going to be a one and done guy in a, a very center heavy class. And just couldn't fit the pieces together his first two years, and now he's finally turning the corner. All right, last thing before we get out of here is who is the guy that you thought would be a better pro than he is right now? Maybe Jaron Jackson. Uh, he's not bad, though. I, that's not fair because he's he's actually like a pretty solid pro. He's a better pro probably than he was a college basketball He just didn't get player. a lot of minutes at Michigan yeah. State. Like, he wasn't bad, and honestly, we probably should have put him in this list of the top 24. Exactly. But he he just didn't get minutes. Like yeah, I remember more... the game that he played against Syracuse. He, he in the tournament he was just not out on the floor. Right. He's uh, I think he averaged so he averaged twenty one minutes a game in his lone season at Michigan State. That was my thing. Is I felt most most of all I just felt like we should mention him in this podcast. He was number eight in his class. He was good at Michigan State. He was a very high lottery pick. So in that regard, he panned out. But I don't know. It's just hard to rank someone like that. I feel like we had a name earlier that was fresh of someone that who hasn't really panned yeah, out. Yeah, you ready for it? Mo yeah, Bamba. Who was it? That's right. Yeah, Mo that's, Bamba. That's what he, I was he's say. Yeah. he's averaging six and five in the NBA right now for the Orlando. Or McCoy Major. too. We could Drafted. say yeah. You could say him too, but. Another guy who who I want to throw out there also that I thought was going to be really good in the pros, especially with the situation he landed in, Lonnie Walker. Yeah. I thought he was going to be really good in the pros. Right. I mean, he was a slashing a guard. He did have some injury problems towards the end of his career at Miami, but I thought he was going to be really good, especially once he got drafted by the Spurs, and it just has not worked out for him so far. He's averaging five points per game over his NBA career. So hasn't worked out quite the way that he would have liked, but I thought he was going to be 
a steal in the draft. I thought he was definitely going to be a lottery guy, and then that didn't work out. And then I thought I saw the situation he got put in, thought it would work out, and it just hasn't so far. So Lonnie Walker is the guy. Anything else you want to add from this class of 2017? Uh, no, I'm just looking at my list. I guess we could shout out Amir Sims. He was number 115, turned into a pretty good get for Clemson. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, Purdue-wise... You know how we were debating the Matt Harms stuff and No Gel Eastern, how Matt Painter should feel? Like, Matt Harms was number 352. That kind of surprised me. I mean, not to take Painter's side in that argument, but it does feel like it's kind of lofty to think that he would have NBA aspirations going to Purdue at that slot and be upset with playing time a little bit. But to each their own, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we'll do 2016. And I guess we'll just keep counting down until we we have college basketball or there's more college basketball news. All right, so for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys next week. The game was over.